Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of I Just Blank. Now what? I'm your host, Jessica Stevens, and I really appreciate you joining me today. This week on the podcast, we're talking to a dear friend of mine, Ranjini Kassup, about the time when she had a I just learned my husband has another child. Now what moment? Yes, this episode is packed full of lessons of what to do when infidelity and conflict hit your marriage and your relationships. So I'm so grateful for Ranj for coming and sharing this very personal story with with me and all of you today because it is packed full of some really great lessons. So a little bit about Ranjini. She is a professional engineer, a certified project management professional, a scrum master, a certified facilitator, and small business coach. She is an alum of the prestigious PMI Leadership Institute Masterclass, the president of PMI Durham Highlands, chapter and a soon-to-be author. You know, her life has taken her on quite the journey. She has worked in many industries spanning trucking, music, television, entertainment, telecom, hospitality, finance, you name it, business consulting. She is a senior leader in her field who brings a fresh yet informed approach to the office, allowing her to help organizations, both large and small, bring their projects and dreams to life. On the personal side, Rangini is the eldest of three siblings, a wife, a mother, a stepmother, and she splits her time between her home here in Ontario, Canada and Kingston, Jamaica. So now that you know a little bit about Rangini, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged, maybe I just started a business, or I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul-sucking job. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out. Often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward, and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. Thank you, Rangini, for being my guest today on the podcast. It's so great to see you. You know, you and I talk regularly and and often, but this is going to be like a special conversation for us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and really looking forward to another one of our chats. Yeah, another one that we get to share with the world, though. Yes. So that's going to make it super <laughs> special. You know, I've, I've shared a little bit about you, but, you know, in your own words, you know, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? Ah, who am I? I'm going to start with I am a woman first. I am a wife, a mother, um, an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and a project manager in all things and by love and by heart. I, I enjoy volunteering my time. I enjoy helping. I enjoy coaching and mentoring. I actually do business coaching um, and mentoring. I, I've worked with many, many people, all different different ages, all different cultures over the years. And it's something that I try and bring into every aspect of my life, being able to give a little bit more. 
And I love you. And that is like why we are such good friends. So I'm so grateful that, you know, you and I have been connected for a number of years now and that we've been able to kind of go on this, this learning journey together. (laughs) So thank you for being my guest today. And you know what, your topic is a big one, (laughs) right? And (laughs) it is definitely a topic that was probably going to be a little bit controversial in terms of what people think your, your now what answer was to the big, I just found out my husband has another child. Yeah. What? So like, take us back. Like, so give, <laughs> give us a little bit of the backstory. Obviously not everything. Cause we, we don't have like, you know, 17 years because this is a deep story, deep love story between you and Roger, <laughs> but give us a little bit of a background of, you know, what was going on and then led you to this moment in your life. Yeah, certainly. And I know, I know this is a controversial one. There's, there's opinions on both sides and it's a continuous learning journey. So I'm not done learning and the journey's definitely not over, but I can take you back. So Roger and I will be celebrating 28 years together this year. We met when we were young teenagers. We had kids when we were really, really young. And of course, we've basically grown up together, done everything together from finishing school to, you know, getting our first place, having our kids, everything. And I think anybody, anybody that, you know, sitting somewhere in their 40s right now, if you think back to who you were at 17, 18, 25, 30, even 35, I mean, we've gone through a lot of change personally, professionally, emotionally, and and it was the same for Roger and I. So you know, sort of fast forwarding our life to 2014. Roger has been an entrepreneur all his life. So we were actually, we were running a really successful restaurant and catering company here in Toronto. We were catering to thousands of people a week, thousands. And it was super, super busy. But in his spare time, he had like from the time that I had met him, he had this passionate love affair with dancehall reggae music. So he's been recording and had been recording just casually for fun for as long as I've known him. And in 2013, one of those casually recorded songs actually rose to the top of the dancehall charts around the world. So he started getting calls for, can you come and do a show? So we kind of, you know, sat back and thought, is this something that we want to do? Because it was his business. He was running it. I was working a full-time job and really like immersed deep in my career. I was a senior executive at a company. So there was no time for me to sort of press pause and go run our business because I was also running with my own career. Our older daughter at the time had just been accepted to university in Ottawa. So she was sort of out the door. And here we found ourselves in, you know, a five-bedroom house with the optionality of him leaving and living full time in Jamaica. We have our retirement home there and leaving myself and my younger daughter. So we made a decision and said, okay, we weren't going to do this for another 10 years, but we're going to do it now. And I would wait until my younger daughter started college, which was going to happen about a year and a half later, and then I'd be on my way. And I was really comfortable doing that. You know, it was that transition from being a full-time senior executive to running my own consulting business. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if I'm going to do it in 10 years, I might as well do it now. So off he went, we sold our home, we downsized, we did all of the things, the plan as plans go was perfect on paper and a year and a half of long distance relationship which is not uh, uncommon in 
today's society or even in the Caribbean world where lots of couples separate and do their thing in different places for the good of the family, right? Like that's- 100%. It was very new to us though, because from the time that we had met at 17, 18 years old, we'd actually never been apart, not for any, like more than two weeks at a time. So it was a hard adjustment, but when a year and a half came and it was my turn to now send the little one off to college and go and plant roots in Jamaica, I had started looking for a job. I was actually, I had interviewed with a company. I was on my third interview with them and things were looking really promising. And then I couldn't go. Just, I couldn't do it. I, I really, I got scared about leaving everything behind, leaving my career, leaving stability. And this was a seed that I knew that I had, this needing to be able to provide financially for myself, even though I have a partner that puts in his 50-50. And I use my kids as, as the excuse. I can't leave them. Like, what kind of mother would I be? Again, my own seeds coming from my own childhood. And I was like, I can't, you know, six months, six months, six months, six months. We got pushing the deadline. Like you're like, I'm coming, but like, give me more, give me six more months. Give me six more months. Yeah. So, so he left sort of his full-time transition happened at the beginning of 2015. I was supposed to go 2016 sort of end of summer, 2016. And now we were finding ourselves at the end of the year, 2016. And I was like, I need six more months. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And then the beginning of 2017 came, he went on tour, he was on a on a three month European tour. And there was every intention, the plan, the whole tour was planned around us doing it together. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go. And then with me being in Canada, him being in Europe and touring and being in a different city every day, we weren't even talking like yeah, you're, yeah. that's it's, it it's got hard long distance relationships are hard on a good day and then throw in like crazy time zones and crazy schedules. And yeah, they're like, hi, who are you? Right? Yeah, yeah. And like, the problems that you think that you have, you know, you bring it up to somebody who's dead tired, and it doesn't seem important. So him and I have actually had a really good, a, a really good open relationship in terms of if things hard conversations have actually always been pretty easy for us. It's been the easy ones that tend to go sideways. So we sat down and we said, you know, what are we going to do? Because I'm not happy. He definitely wasn't happy. He did not bank on being alone at all. He is the type of person that needs to have somebody around. He enjoys cooking for large amounts of people, like just not having a family to take care of was also very new to him. Yeah. Solitude is not his setting, right? Not, not at all. And, and he is very much an introvert, although he's on the stage and you couldn't tell he is very much an introvert. He does not have a large friend circle. So we said, maybe the right thing for us to do is separate. Like, let's not put any more pressure on this. And it's not a matter of I don't love you or you don't love me. It's just this the time that, you know, we've grown apart. And, and we're doing, and our lives are so different. Like you were very so, so focused different. in a spot in your career and doing your thing. And he was, you know, a nomad, like he was on the road and traveling. And those line, those lives don't line up really. And the life of, I'm going to say a rock star, doesn't align well to the life of a working professional, especially somebody in, in my field. So like our friend circles became very, very different. The things that we were interested in became very, very different. We found it hard to find commonality after being apart for so long. So we really, we were like, is this the best thing? Like maybe the best thing to do is separate while we still like each other so that we don't start hating each other. And we went through the entire process. So, you know, we still continue to talk. We still maintained a friendship and a really good friendship. Like we talked all the time. And I feel like taking the pressure off, you know, 
I think in the end, that's really what enabled us to get to where we are today. But in the midst of all that, he was he he was seeing somebody else casually, or that's what he tells me. And I'm not asking any more details. But what came out of that was his son. So his son was born in February 2018. So we decided on our trial separation sort of at the beginning of 2017 and towards the end of 2017. So about, I'm going to say nine to 10 months, you know, we really were like, we really miss each other. We really love each other. Like we can make this work. I had made my transition into consulting. I was having a lot more time and flexibility to be able to be in in different places. I didn't necessarily need to be here in Toronto. So we started having those conversations again. And in the midst of all of this, there was another woman who was very pregnant. And that situation is just, that's another podcast. <laughs> That's another show for another day. That's another show for another day. It could be probably a series. But in the midst of all that, and this is stuff that we talked about afterwards, you know, when we decided we are we are going to make a conscious effort to make our relationship work, right? I didn't know. know. He knew and he didn't know how to tell me. And in, you know, afterwards, when I said, like, why wouldn't you just say to me, listen, when we you had our little break, I slept with somebody else and something happened because I, I would have been angry, but I probably would have understood. I was more angry that he didn't tell me and he, you know, right, wrong or otherwise, his justification was things were going so well that there was never a right time to drop that kind of bomb. Yeah. Cause you guys had finally started, you know, you found yourself back towards each other. Like things were going great. I can just imagine what was going on in his head is like this bomb might break us for good for good and he also I mean again different story for a different day he wasn't sure if this was his child or not like there was there was a lot of unknowns but it didn't justify him not saying anything anyway so fast forward now so his son was born in February 2018 and by that point you know things things were very much looking on the mend for us and I'm going to say over that summer we were like, you know what, we're really going to make this work. He was spending a lot more time here in Toronto with me. I was able to, when I went to Jamaica, I was able to now spend, you know, a month with him. So things were looking really well. So, you know, sort of fast forward to November, uh, late October, early November of that of that year of 2018, he was home and we were dealing with a family issue with one of our kids. And it was like, we were having a family meeting. We do this kind of often, just, you know, Check in, check in, take, take, take the mask off. Let's just be honest about how we're feeling. And it was his turn to share. And he kind of broke down. He was like, I can't lie. He's like, I cannot lie to you. I can't lie to the kids. This is what is going on. And I was kind of like, I was speechless, absolutely speechless. I was so pissed that he did this in front of the kids and not privately and like just him and I, because I felt like the kids needed a lot more padding to try and even absorb what they were hearing because they really, really, they have their dad on a pedestal. He can do no wrong. So for them to hear this, they were, they were devastated. And you were not obviously in the mental or emotional capacity at that point to like take care of the girl's feelings and how their prospects settled because you were literally shockwaved and like blown back. My initial reaction was I was so calm. I was so calm that I think everyone was scared, but I was like, okay, so you need to go. 
I was like, you need to book a ticket for Monday and you need to leave this home. I never want to see you again. Like, I never want to talk to you again. I never want to see you again. Like, I was just like, after all of this, like, what are you telling me? And again, I think I was, and, and not even I think, I know that I was more upset that he didn't say anything. Like when we made a conscious decision as a couple to say, okay, we're really going to give this a go. That was an opportunity to say something. And I felt it was very cowardly of him to not say anything. And, you know, he tried to rationalize, you know, he was trying to protect me, but you know, I kind of, I'm not a baby and, and adults, grown women are not children. We can handle it tell me the truth. And this has been my philosophy. Tell me the truth and let me decide what I want to do with it. And, so, you know, you can't hide a child forever. So the truth was going to come out at some point. At some point it was going to come out. And I mean, just his personality, he wouldn't have been able to live with himself by denying his son. There, there was no way. I know him. He wouldn't have been able to do it. It would have literally killed him. It would have killed him to have to deny his son in order to keep his marriage. So, I can understand that when he finally did tell us that that was the top blowing off the pressure cooker. Like, honestly, I can't imagine how he, he managed those months, you know, thinking leading up to like once he found out and then, you know, holding it that in for so long, that's up. That is. And on top of that, dealing with dealing with that situation, which again, is a situation in and of itself, as well as trying to hold things together on the other side. Like, honestly, I can't imagine. But in that moment, and even today, that's not for me to understand. And it's not for me to deal with. That is 100% his bag to hold. That was a decision that he made. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So okay, so the news is out, you now know about this child, and you tell him to pack his bags and go. Yeah. So he was, he was home just for a short visit. So I was like, you need to change your ticket and you need to leave Monday. This was on Saturday. And I was like, until then I'm leaving. So I did, I packed my bags and I left and I went to a friend's and I was like, yeah, I I think it came back Sunday night and I found him exactly where I had left him, like on the couch. And he was like, please, like, please talk to me. And I was like, I, I'm going to take you to the airport tomorrow and I never want to see you again. Like enough, I'm done. And that's how I felt in that moment. So that, you know, I, and I, and we didn't actually speak until right before Christmas. So it was probably um, almost two months had already had a ticket booked to come home for Christmas because we were actually heading on a six week long trip between Hong Kong and Jamaica in January which was all booked. So I had sent him a text and said, I know that you have a ticket to come home, but I really like, I, I can't stop you from coming to Toronto, but I don't want you here. Like, I really just don't want to see your face. And he didn't say anything. He just showed up and it was Christmas. So, you know, I kind of was like, I'm not gonna, not gonna be that person that ruins everything for everybody. Like I can be an adult about this. We can be in the same space. I don't have to deal with him, but I can be an adult so that, our children and our family can still gather and not feel so uncomfortable. And at that point, I think our whole family, like our family knew, he told the whole family because he was like, this is my onus. I own this. This is what I did. I really effed like everything up. And and I need you guys to look after Rangini because she's not talking to me and I can't. <laughs> so everybody knew. So it was like the elephant in the room. The cr- Christmas was really awkward. And I said to him, I don't want you to... Like, no, you're not coming to Hong Kong. We were dropping our daughter off 
for school. And I was like, I'll do this by myself. And I will do the Jamaica stuff by myself. Like you can stay here if you want. Like you could go to hell if you want. I don't care. I'm done. He chose to come anyway. So we had a whole lot of weeks and days in Hong Kong while our older daughter was sort of settling in. And, you know, one day, one day we had to go, we had to go somewhere to buy something for her. So we were like, I I said, you know what, let's, let's, let's go, let's go. And that, that one errand turned into a day of walking and talking and crying and laughing and like really just openly me asking all the questions, all the whys, like why? Because although we had made a conscious decision to separate, you know, I'm a woman and I have these fragile feelings where I'm like, I didn't go sleep with anybody else. Like why? Like, how could you? And like, what is it about her? And is it me? Am I not young enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not thin enough? Am I not like good enough? You needed answers at this point. I needed answers. I needed a, a reason a rationale and it was I'm going to say one of the best lessons for me in one in him being so open to tell me the answer to any question that I had what I learned is that his actions and you know really throughout our relationship when things when things happened his actions based on his explanations 100% came from feeling of insecurity feelings of you know am I am I good enough as a man, you know, kind of think I need my backup plan because one day this woman's going to wake up and realize she's done not enough. There was things that happened in his childhood abandonment where he just felt like he never wanted to be alone. So if that was going to be a thing, he was going to avoid that at all costs. And I mean, there's a lot more depth to, you know, that answer, but just in being able to hear him so honestly pour out his whys, And me actually being able to accept that it had nothing to do with me. Like here was a man that needed to take care of somebody. He needed someone to depend on him. Like those are the things that made him feel enough. And he wasn't getting it from me. I had to take a good long hard look at the things that I had done and said and the ways that I'd behaved throughout our entire relationship that contributed to him feeling that way, you know, In those days, I realized that because of my own insecurities, because of the my own baggage that I carried, that I also did not allow him to be everything that he is, I had a really and still do have a really hard time receiving and I mean, like anything. Yeah, it's bad. Like everything here was a partner who was willing to do everything, who was willing to contribute holistically, and in so many ways without realizing I would say, that's fine. I don't need you. I got it. I got it. And so the fine you had that awareness, like your actions leading up to the separation, leading up to because you kept delaying, you know, six months, six months. Like he was like, Is this woman even gonna come? Like, is she yeah. ever gonna come and be with me? Right. Yeah. Doesn't she miss me? Doesn't she need me? Like I'm how I need her. Yeah. So we we decided, okay, if we and, and so you know, finished the Hong Kong trip, went to Jamaica and decided that if we were going to give this a go, like really give this a go, we needed to go to counseling. And we probably needed to deal with those issues, like those seeds that we had mm-hmm. as individuals. So in March of 2019, together, we, we completed um, a course called the Seeds Leadership Course. And I'm going to say that it changed our life, like really, really changed our life. One, because it 
taught us how to communicate in a really open, honest way, respecting our own boundaries, respecting our own feelings, but in, in, in a very loving way, being able to communicate how we felt to the other person. You know, I at, up until that point, so we, we, we did the marriage counseling, started the marriage counseling, did the seeds leadership course, decided to take things, you know, just really one day at a time, as opposed to trying to build out this massive plan for the future. Mm -hmm. And then I, I very honestly said to him, you know, I said, I, I need to come to Jamaica, and I need to meet your son, because I felt like every time I saw him, I was going to think of his father sleeping with his mother. And I said, you know, I, I don't want to be unfair to, to you. And I don't want to be unfair to him and have those feelings harbored up and treat him differently because I'm angry. It bothered me that I felt that way, but I, I had to be honest because this is where we were now and it hurt him to hear it. But I was like, this is where it is. Like I need to be able to meet him to see how I feel in his presence. So that summer in July, we went to Jamaica together and I had the opportunity to meet his son. And I'll tell you, I expected to feel hurt. I expected to feel anger. I expected to feel sad. I expected to have all of those feelings. And I had none of them. I had just an overwhelming sense of love, not just for his son, but for the efforts that he was making to be in his son's life. Like understanding that potentially everything that was important to him could get taken away. away in a second. Everything that he'd known for the last, you know, 25 years of his life. I, I, that's all I had. I had this overwhelming sense of, of love for both of them. And that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. It's been his son is three now. So it's been a bit of a struggle, you know, just him being able to get access, because again, that's a bit of a complicated situation. But what has been consistently the same is our ability to talk about how we feel, like really, really openly and honestly. I remember last year, I spent some time alone in Jamaica because I felt like I had feelings that I hadn't dealt with. So I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to be alone. And, you know, we'll I, I don't really want to talk to you while I'm there. I just need the time. And we'll talk when I get back. And I remember the, the day that I that I came back, we went out to dinner, like just so that we could have the space outside of our home to have a conversation. And I said to him, you know, very much, and it hurt me to say it, but it, again, I had to, I said, I very much feel like you've abused me in our relationship, not physically, but mentally and emotionally by holding so much of yourself back. I feel abused. And he listened. He listened to everything that I had to say. And some of it was really harsh. And he I remember he held my hands and he looked into my eyes and he said, I cannot change who I was, but I can tell you that I'm not that person anymore. I acknowledge how you feel. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And that was enough. It was enough to close the door and leave that whole chapter of our lives behind. And that doesn't mean that, you know, those feelings don't creep up every now and then because we're only human. They yeah. they do. And that doesn't mean that you know, he's, he's never going to say another harsh word or a mean thing or comment on, you know, how much ice cream I'm eating. We are people, we are yeah. people at the end of the day, but like today, his son is here with us now and it is a joy to be around him. It is a joy to know that another child does not have to suffer without a parent because the two parents don't get along. I think, and, and many people have asked this 
over the years, as you as you you know alluded to in the beginning, people will sit on both sides of this fence. Like, how could you take him back? How could you take him back knowing that he has a child? And how I've addressed that, and again, perhaps depending on the mood that I'm in, how I've addressed that is if you and your your partner break up, or even if you don't break up, even if it's a situation where it's straight up cheating, and you decide to get back together. You already at that point know that the person went out and had sex with somebody else. The rightful byproduct of sexual intercourse is children. And if a child happens to come from that, it is not the child's fault. So as an adult, you need to decide if you are taking the person back, you're taking all of the parts of that person back, not just the pieces that you want. And that was the thing for me is when I decided I'm going to try and make this work, It wasn't just now, I'm going to try and make this work with my husband. It was, I'm going to try and make this work with the understanding that there is a child and I have to accept this child in our life and our family 100% if I'm going to accept his father. And that is not an easy thing for most people to be able to accept. No, it's not. And I'm going to say that The decision that everybody makes is their own and you have to be able to live in that decision. What I've learned in my life and and something that's become a lot more prevalent over the last few years is that forgiveness is not easy. It's easy to say, I forgive you, but it is really hard to live that. But forgiveness, 100% of the time is for you. It's very rarely for the other person. When we choose to hold on to things that have happened to us and choose to continue to have these feelings, it's literally like acid in your stomach, acid in your own stomach. It's slowly, slowly, slowly going to eat away at you. And unless and until you are truly able to let that go, you can't be free. So my thought and and I and I, you know, pull back from using the word advice because everybody's different. But I would say to anybody who's dealing with a situation like this, where, you know, there's been infidelity, there's been cheating, you know, maybe similarly, you separated and something happened, and there's been another woman or another man, or perhaps a child, before you take your partner back, you like, you really, really need to decide, is this something that I can live with? Is this something that I can let go? Or is this something that I'm going to continuously throw in their face every time I'm angry? Because if it's the latter, then maybe you need to think about whether or not you really, really want to be in that relationship. Why are you staying? Are you staying because it's comfortable, because it's familiar? Because love isn't enough. It's not enough. If you are accepting, you have to be able to do that holistically. Yeah, that is that is such great wisdom that hopefully, you know, our listeners are taking in if they are experienced something similar to this story. But yeah, like you cannot weaponize somebody's past wrongdoings over and over and over again. If you're going to forgive them, you have to truly forgive them. And that, that moment in that can't be, you know, the thing that you use to whip him again. Over and over again. And whenever, you know, he does, you know, he forgets to take out the trash. He, you know, doesn't do whatever that tiny little marital blip is to use that against them in, in, in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I can't imagine that was an easy thing to be able to do. So 
how did you actually practice that? Like, I'm sure there were moments in which you wanted to potentially like throw this back in his face and say, well, you did X, Y, you know, how, how did you do that? How did you move through the, the urge to like weaponize his, his infidelity and, and use it against him? I did use it against him in those first few months. I mean, it was just such a raw wound that anything like if I if I called him and did, he didn't pick up the phone, I was like, what are you doing? Are you talking to somebody else? Like yeah. I did. I was so hurt. And then I kept having to say, OK, what do I want? Like, do I want him in my life? Don't I want him in my life? Like, why am I putting myself through this? And then one day I remember I was, I'm going to describe it as nothing less than a temper tantrum. I was having a temper tantrum (laughs) and he said to me, let's get in the car and drive because we've always had this rule about not fighting in our home and not bringing that energy into our home. Whenever there was an issue to deal with, we always actually went to a restaurant for a couple of reasons. One, because it wasn't our home, but two, it was somewhere that we had to be able to have a conversation because you can't like yell and scream in a public place. Yeah. And it was, it was neutral, right? So it was neutral. So he's like, let's, let's go for a drive. And he didn't drive me like to Tim Hortons. We actually drove like to a field in the middle of nowhere. And he was like, I want you to say everything that's on your heart. Everything. Yell at me, scream at me, like, tell me every worst. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever's there, just get it out and let's talk about it. And as I started yelling and screaming and screaming and crying and pointing the finger and laying blame, that anger turned to sadness. And it was really me looking back at myself and realizing that I had not accepted my own blame. I was in denial about how I caused the breakdown of our marriage. So I cried and I cried a little bit more and I shared my own feelings of not being enough of, you know, not living up to the standards that I had, that I had set for myself of, of not being able to accept his gifts. And, and I, and I don't mean like, you know, your physical, tangible gifts, but the just gift of giving his, 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 his support, love in, his in love. different ways. Yeah. And I mean, like from things like, you know, he'd be like, let me bathe the kids tonight when they were little. And like, it, no, 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 it's fine. I got it because I didn't want to feel like I did not have my own stuff together. I wanted to feel like I could do it all in control, in control. And by being that person, I didn't allow him to participate fully in the things that he wanted to participate fully in. So it was like, we were out in that field for a long time. Yeah. You had had a lot of years. Yeah. We had a lot of years to get out. And I'm going to say that we probably repeated that process, both him and I, a, a couple of times in those, in those months where we would have like rage that would turn to sadness and we were able to get it out. And I'm going to say today, there's nothing that I couldn't say to him or that I, he couldn't say to me because it's it's like all the layers of the onion have been peeled back. It's all been said at this point. So today I'm able to say, you know, I'm, I think I'm feeling really angry inside and I'm really angry with you because I'm doing these 12 things and you're outside sitting in a hammock reading a book. And I'm feeling really mad about this. And he'll say, well, I did offer to make the dinner and take out the trash. And you said that you would do it. So or or vice versa. So we are quickly able to communicate and check ourselves now. Now with having his son around, it's very different when your own kids are so grown and you have this 
amazing toddler energy in the house, but it's a lot of work. But you know, after after the first, you know, two weeks, I noticed that he was being my husband was being, you know, very moody, very grumpy, very angry. And I was like, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, your attitude is getting on my nerves. Like, what's up with that? And he's like, I am exhausted. And I am sexually frustrated. Those were his exact words. And I'm like, Welcome to toddler life, right? I was like, buddy, we need, you know, we we both need to make a conscious effort not to fall asleep (laughs) at eight o'clock. Yeah. (laughs) So that we can spend time with ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. So that was my next question. So, you know, the the current state of life at your house is you're together happily. Yes. Yes. And his son is here with you. Yes. uh, Just temporarily, of course, but. When you heard those words in November of 2019, 20, 2018, 2018. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. We always have to remember to add a year. To yes. COVID, right? Like everyone's <laughs> like, Oh, just add a year, you know, November, 2018 18. to now here in 2021, did you envision this? No, not in the least. Yeah, not not in my wildest dreams. And even when everything happened, even after the acceptance came, I still couldn't have envisioned this because, you know, our daughters were still quite hurt, quite angry. Our families were quite hurt, quite angry. And today I have my younger daughter who's still in Toronto coming over just to spend some time with her baby brother. My older one who's moved off is FaceTiming every day. Like I didn't call to talk to you, mom. I called to talk to my baby brother. My mom is here like every day. My sister's here every day. Our families have really just embraced us and embraced this whole situation, embraced a new addition to our family, really without skipping a beat. Like I, I, I don't think that I could have imagined this best case scenario. Wow. Seems a little surreal, but you absolutely did the work in order to have this, right? Like this just didn't, this this didn't just magically (laughs) happen, right? It's not like the fairy tale ending. You all as a huge family put in the work to get yourselves here. So how are your older children with everything that's happened? Like, did they question your decision to stay with him? Did they, you know... What was their kind of input into all of this? Because I, you know, I can't imagine that they took it well when, you know, you said (laughs) they did not take it well because their father was on a pedestal. Like that probably had a lot of impact on you too, is like in your own personal decision was how is this impacting my other children? You know, you know, what is, if I stay or if I go, what is the out, like what's the byproduct of that for them? So Yeah, tell me a little bit about how other outside influences in your family kind of impacted your decisions. So my my girls actually had like very black and white feelings about and I mean, like one black, one white, like very, they were very different on how they felt. My younger daughter came um, from a place of everybody makes mistakes. Like, I think you guys need to talk through this. You know, dad's a good person. You need to forgive him. My older daughter was like, F that, get rid of him. Like you can do so much better on your own. You're successful. You're beautiful. You can find somebody who's going to love you properly. Like completely. She she was in your corner. Yeah. And she was completely like, I never want to talk to him again. 
because she was like, how could you do this to our mom? Who had like my my older daughter really, you know, she looked at me as you're the one who stayed back. You didn't go off pursuing your dream. Like, you know, you took one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> you stayed and dealt with us. And we know that we were difficult to deal with while he was out pursuing his career. Yeah, but again, yeah. Yeah. But again, how I had to explain it to her was one in a married couple's life. Although you are our kids, you don't know everything about us. And quite frankly, you probably don't know much about us as a couple. You know a lot about us as parents, but you don't know a lot about us as individuals, nor do you know a lot about us as a couple, because we choose to keep a lot of that to ourselves. You don't have to hear the arguments. And, and we've, we have our whole life been very conscious of that. We don't argue in front of our kids. We, we have tried never to do that. So, you know, according to our kids, wrong, wrong, right, or otherwise, we've always gotten along magically. Yeah. Mom and dad have a great relationship, right? <laughs> yeah. So they never saw that. They didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. And because we were always able to see past sort of a romantic issue and ground ourselves in friendship, that's what they knew. They just knew mom and dad as being like these two amazing people who got along, who, you know, when they fought, it was, you know, pretty sarcastic fighting. She she couldn't fathom in her mind. So I explained to her, like, you're older now. And as you grow and you mature into a relationship, you're going to realize that there are some things that you keep between yourself and your partner. Even though you, you have kids, your kids don't need to know everything. Yeah. And this is one of those things where you don't know a lot of the details as to what led to this. You don't know the decisions that were made, the commitments that were made, the things that were said, because they weren't said in front of you, nor do you need to know. And mm-hmm. it's not for your protection. It is just, frankly, none of your business. Yeah. It is, it is what it is. But, you know, as time, as time went on and she saw the effort that her father made to bring things together, and we both opened up to sharing our feelings with our kids a little bit more in terms like our relationship feelings, not everything, but more than we had in the past, they started to understand. And I think they're older now too. I think today our kids see us as people first, as a woman, as a man, as two individuals, as opposed to just their mom and dad, which is the light that they held us in in November, 2018, which most kids do, right? Like most adults hold their parents in the, in that light. Very, very seldom do we look at our parents as human beings, as men and women who have their own thoughts and ideas, their own dreams and aspirations. We just kind of see them as our parents, the people who have to provide for us. Oh my goodness, Ranch, you have unpacked so much. in this episode uh, with us. I'm super grateful for you and just sharing from your heart and and not holding back. And my last question before we wrap up here is obviously this, you know, being a very controversial topic, as we we said off the top of of the episode, how has other people in your life reacted to your decision? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's it's a little bit split too, right? The same way your kids at the, at the beginning were, you know, one was for and one was against. I'm sure that probably has replicated out into the rest of the world. So how what was that like? And how have you dealt with that knowing that there's probably people judging you for your decision to stay? 
Okay, so the, the opinions of the people that I cared about most were obviously my family and close friends. I have a very small circle. I'm going to say my my friends were supportive in that they were like, you're a grown, smart woman. Like, whatever decision you make, we will support you. We're here for you. Like, 100%, whatever that is. My family, I actually consciously didn't have conversations with with actually very many people at all. I don't think I actually discussed this with with more than one or two people while I was trying to decide, am I going to stay or am I going to go? Because I wanted the decision to be my own and not influenced by uh, what other people thought. Cause I know what other people thought. Other people thought this woman is crazy. This guy's an asshole. Why is she staying with him? She needs to cut him loose, cut, like kick him to the curb, be done with him. He's never going to change. All men are the same. That was what people were thinking. They just weren't saying it out loud to me. Social media was really harsh. Social media. And this is the thing we this happened. And my husband's a public figure. So it happened a lot of it publicly on social media. Social media was split. I was getting oh, I would get all kinds of DMs from women who were like, you're crazy. You would take back this man, blah, 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 blah to what kind of woman are you that would take back a man after he has a kid with somebody else to like you are an angel sent from heaven to accept another woman's child into your life like it was it was so split and we did something that I never thought I would agree to do but we actually did a ask me anything session on Instagram because I was like People are talking like it was posted on the gossip blogs like this is what happened with this guy and his baby mother and his wife and I was like I don't want to be a part of no cheesy love triangle like this is not drama this is my life and I would rather own the narrative and set the record straight once so that people can just stop talking about it. So we didn't ask me anything session and we shared the story from beginning to end and we answered again all of the questions. And it was hard. It was embarrassing. It was hurtful. It was angering. Like all of those, you know, feelings yeah, come up. You were essentially reliving it all again now in in the front space. in front of social media, which lives on forever. But what I realized is once I told my story and it was out there. I didn't care anymore. I did not care about the weight that it held, like the weight that other people's opinion held anymore. Professionally, I mean, it's been it's been a bit of a challenge professionally. And because now all of a sudden you've got a toddler and to try and explain to your professional colleagues who know nothing about your life, why you have this toddler, toddler running around. Yeah, it's just like it's and 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 I've just kind of resolved. There's, you know, a few people that that I respect and I respect their opinion. They know what's going on and everybody else. It's none of their business. It's my life. And as long as I am happy today, and this is it, I'm worried about today. I'm not thinking about next week, next month, next year. What's going to happen is going to happen. If I'm happy today, I don't care what other people think. Good job. Excellent. All right. So to wrap this up. For anyone who is maybe living a similar story as yours, what would be three words of guidance for to help them figure out now what? Just be true to you. Forget about the noise. Drown out the noise. Forget the opinions of others. If the opinions of others didn't matter, what would you do? Would you stay or would you go? 
And if you decide that you're going to stay, make the commitment to yourself to truly let go, forgive and move on. That chapter is done. What happened is not you. You decide every morning you decide you get to decide what today is going to be. And if you decide that that relationship is worth it, then truly decide that that relationship is going to be worth it and choose every day as today is going to be great and happy day better than yesterday and leave the past in the past. We cannot go back and change anything. But if we are stepping forward into today with the knowledge of the past, that's a deliberate choice that you've made. Amazing guidance. Range, thank you so much for being my guest here today. I'm so, I just, I love you to bits. You know, you're one of my dearest friends and one of the inspirations for this podcast, really, because <laughs> when I was coming up with this concept and I was thinking about art, my, you know, my own stories and the stories of people that I knew, you know, you, you have many <laughs> that I'm, you know, you could teach so much. And so I hope you will come back and join us again uh, for another episode of life lessons that you want to impart on, on our audience. So thank you. Any last words that you want to share with everybody before we sign No, up? just thank you. Thank you for doing this. I think that these topics that you are unraveling and you're sharing via your podcast, they're important ones. They're ones that people talk about in closed circles or sometimes are just really afraid to talk about because of some of the stigma that's attached. But these are conversations that need to be had so that people can can let go. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank and you. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer. Now what? See you on the next episode.